Thanks for tuning into this episode, BBB Presents Cincinnati Pride, featuring Alain Roussel and Michael Wilson, President and Vice President of Cincinnati's Gay Chamber of Commerce. BBB Sarah Kemmerer talks with Alain and Michael about Cincinnati's rising LGBTQ entrepreneurship community and the purchasing power of the community during Pride Month. Hello and welcome back. Today, I'm joined by Alyn Roussel and Michael Wilson, President and Vice President of the Cincinnati Gay Chamber of Commerce. June is Pride Month, so it's an especially great time to learn about Cincinnati's LGBTQ entrepreneurship community. Alyn and Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks. Yes, thank you for having us. So I think it's best if we just go ahead and dive into it. Alyn, can you share a little bit about Cincinnati Gay Chamber of Commerce? Yeah, the Gay Chamber actually started as a separate organization, so it's been around for 20 plus years. Um, We have molded into something that um, right now serves both Greater Cincinnati, uh, Northern Kentucky. We have roughly 25 members annually, and we're looking to grow. Um, We're working on changing things, rebranding, trying to breathe new life into the organization. And our main function um, is putting out the listings, which is really a a resource guide for newly out or new to the area LGBT folks. Yeah. And Michael, what is Cincinnati's LGBTQ plus entrepreneurship community like? You know, it's, I think it's a very vibrant community. It's, um, we have a lot of industry, we have a lot of arts and we have a lot of very, very creative folks uh, in the region. And so when we think about it from a chamber perspective, we look at how can we leverage the audience that we've been able to gather over the course of the last 20 plus years and then partner with these um, thriving and oftentimes new, but you know, definitely thriving uh, small businesses and then help partner them uh, with their desired consumer base while also reaching out to the Fortune 500 and other really large companies that we have here to help them use their scale and uh, share an inclusive perspective of the greater Cincinnati area. So uh, I think it's a great community. I think that we are definitely, we've actually seen a lot of folks open businesses during the pandemic. And if they can make it through that, we're excited to see what they're able to do moving forward. Yeah, if they can make it through that, then they can do anything. (laughs) You know, I think if any of all of us making through it, we should be a lot more uh, impressed with ourselves and proud of what we can make it through. So very excited. Yeah. for our community and for those entrepreneurs. And I think it's a great, it's a great time to be, to be moving forward and, and taking advantage mm-hmm. of what the region has to offer. Yeah, and Alyn, you brought up earlier that the chamber is undergoing a, this huge rebrand. So can you talk about the rebrand and what you're both excited for? Yeah, I think um, mainly when we decided to do the rebrand, we thought it might be good to find a more inclusive name. Um, So we won't be known as the Gay Chamber anymore. Um, We want to just invite more of the LGBTQ plus community to feel like they're part of this. Um, We have lots of allied members as well. So uh, we just want to make sure that it's inclusive of everyone. We're hoping to spice up our website. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to that. Um, And we're going to be doing more outreach within the community. So uh, we're going to hopefully be growing from just doing the listings to doing more community events and possibly um, hosting an annual event as well. Michael, you brought up earlier that it's not only for, it's for small businesses and for corporate businesses as well. So all of those community partners. And I think that wanting to bring in more community partners is 
such a great way to increase awareness of the chamber and the community in general. So Michael, what kind of businesses can join the chamber? You know what, as long as they adhere to our mission of inclusivity and um, diversity, I think that anyone is really and truly welcome. Uh, I, in the world that we live in, I kind of like the term, uh, you know, life is not black and white, obviously. There's always gonna be nuance, there's gonna be, you know, shades of gray. But when I think about the LGBTQ plus community, I think in a world as beautifully diverse and colorful, colorful as ours, um, why would we try to focus on the black and white when there's so much beauty around us? So the fact that we're able to partner with other organizations and then let them um, serve as a as really a platform and a, a jumping off point to really serve as liaisons between other minority businesses, I think is really a, an opportunity that we haven't been able to leverage, but I think that we would definitely like to moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I think both of you have brought up the listings a few times. So Elin, can you share what this magazine is and what's included in the magazine? Yeah, so the publication is an annual publication that we put out in June. Um, we usually try to have it out for Pride in Cincinnati. Uh, so this year we're gonna be launching it at the uh, event that we're having, the Pride Marketplace in the park uh, on June 27th. And that's the goal. <laughs> um, the front part of the book is a little bit of information about Cincinnati. So if you're new to the area, you get to learn a little bit about it. Um, and it also has advertisements for folks who want to buy an ad and that supports the back of the book, which is the resource guide. We're always trying to just include any kind of LGBTQ plus anything. So if you're looking for a doctor, or if you're looking for a plumber, or if you're looking for a nightclub, uh, we really just want to have it as a one-stop shop for folks mm -hmm. who don't know what's going on in the area. And again, I feel like those are also, I mean, that's inclusive to allies too. Oh yeah, definitely. I feel like um, we have a lot of allies that partner with us and uh, we want them to feel like they are a part of the community too. And I think it's really a good tool for them if they are looking to support the community, uh, they can use that resource as well. Yeah, and so we brought up the pandemic and how the pandemic was, it was kind of an excuse for you all to rebrand um, and we're still undergoing that rebrand. So how has the pandemic affected the chamber so far? Um, well, I think in, in its broadest terms, when the world shut down, I mean, so did we. Um, the business in general had to take a hiatus. Others mm -hmm. had reduced capacity. Um, others, you know, were gangbusters and not just business as usual, but in fact, uh, working at a much higher uh, more fevered rate. So when we look specifically at small business and at local community businesses, um, I definitely think that it affected them in greater capacity than uh, some of our larger partners that we have in the region. That being said, for us as an organization, um, we, meaning me and Alin as um, vice president and president, we uh, are actually relatively neutral. We've been with the organization for the last several years, but have taken after taking on this new leadership role has given us an opportunity to kind of brainstorm and see where we want the um, organization to go moving forward. And so we have a lot of really, really big and really exciting ideas. But again, being a small organization, especially by way of chambers, we are a very small chamber looking to grow. Um, leveraging our resources and trying to partner with other folks in our community has proved a little bit more challenging and getting um, us up and moving at the at the speed that we would like to see because we're both so passionate about it. 
but we know that coming out of this when the pandemic is over, when we do feel like we've fully rebranded and launched everything, we know that we're going to be in a much stronger place than we have been for years. And for that, we're very excited. But does the chamber have any current events or partnerships for the month of June? Yeah, um, I mentioned earlier, it's called the um, Pride Marketplace in the Park, and we're partnering with Cincinnati Pride. It has caused a little bit of confusion. It is not a replacement pride, <laughs> um, but it is going to be a very small scale um, marketplace in the park. We have, I think, maybe 27 or so vendors, so not nearly the size of Cincinnati Pride at Sawyer Point. Um, just a lot of LGBTQ um, folks selling some really cool items. Um, we have, I think, representation from maybe four members of the chamber that decided to join us. So I'm really excited for that. Uh, it's June 27th at Washington Park from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Switching gears a little bit, I'm sure that there have been many times where you both, along with others in the LGBTQ plus community, um, have been like the air quote sole LGBTQ plus representative in an organization, corporate office, or your, your business, wherever your job is at. So how important is it to have that LGBTQ plus representation in corporate offices? Um, well, I can jump in and speak to that. I work for one of the largest companies, not only in the region, but in the world uh, here in Cincinnati. And uh, I actually hit my 10 year anniversary with the company. And I can tell you that in the 10 years since I've joined the company, um, the, the changes in our corporate policy and um, the levels of active inclusion of minority associates has changed and grown almost exponentially to be fair. Um, and the argument that we kind of face is that, well, if you're in a conservative market, you kind of have to meet them where they're at. And my response to that in a room full of executives, as one of two LGBTQ people in that room, uh, filled with all of our executive officers, members of our board, um, and then you know a, a full spread of other uh, directors and uh, vice president level uh, management, my response was, we can't claim that our core values include diversity, inclusion, safety, and respect, and then not expect that from all of our employees and customers across the country simply because they may be in a more conservative market like Cincinnati, which happens to be relatively Catholic, or down in the Deep South, uh, talking about our uh, um, locations that we have in Louisiana or Mississippi, just because we have folks in California or up in the Pacific Northwest that happen to be more liberal uh, doesn't mean that they deserve to be treated better than the associates that we have in other parts of the country. So I think having the courage and being that voice, even if it is a small voice in a big room, definitely has a way to impact the way an organization works. And it does take a lot of courage and it does take a lot of um, resilience to hear things that you don't want to hear, even though it's something that you believe in and that you're very passionate about, especially when it affects you directly. But mm -hmm. having um, learned from my peers who've been in similar situations and then growing together, it's been wonderful seeing our company change. And I think that it really and truly does take those voices being willing to uh, be a little bit louder and be that 
mosquito in the middle of the night that's just going to kind of agitate and get things moving in the direction that the world is going because as i said before it is a beautiful community you know there is so much color in the world we should be able to celebrate that and move and grow forward uh individually along with the companies that we work for well i like that you brought up like you you've been at your company for 10 years a side question is um when you started 10 years ago at your company is today in 2021, is this any place you thought you'd be at when you started and even like come with company standards? Um, yes and no. When I started with the company, um, I didn't think it was a very glamorous company. I came from a very a relatively prestigious university. This was my first job out of college. And so um, I really had pretty high hopes and expectations for myself, even though we were coming out of the recession and, um, took a job where I could and then thought that it was going to be a temporary move, especially once I decided to come out because I wasn't fully out when I joined the company. And when I came out and realized that we didn't have um, any type of protections for LGBTQ employees in our um, policies, we didn't have parity benefits for LGBT couples. We didn't have any type of transgender health benefits for those who happen to identify as trans. Um, we had a long way to go as a company uh, as it related to the LGBTQ community. And so when I looked at that and the, and the challenge and the path forward that I saw that we had, it started out more as like a challenge. It's like, well, don't tell me we can't do this in our community when you're going to let our Hispanic friends or our African-American friends uh, in the other room host events and do things and celebrate their community and their cultures and then tell us that that we can't do ours. So I took it really as a challenge, um, probably in, in ways that I shouldn't have, uh, um, to be fully fair, but um, working with you know my peers and colleagues who happen to also be part of our community, uh, we were able to make significant strides. And I think uh, to that end, you know, we do, not only did we feel like we did a good job and that we've been able to move the barometer forward, but we've also set the stage for a lot of exciting things to happen in the future. And I'm excited to see where that goes. Well, and even with these large corporations where employees definitely have more LGBTQ plus individuals on their teams, you know, it's still, and you both know firsthand, it's still important for those individuals to feel valid. I mean, that's how I mean, your mental health increases, your work productivity, it's just, it's an all around uh, 360. Everything just feels better when you're being valued as an employee. So what ways do you all hope to engage with Cincinnati's corporate community? So when we think about uh, partnering with larger organizations, there's something that immediately comes to mind. And there have been multiple studies over the last actual couple of decades uh, that uh, specifically call out the cost of the closet. So if your employees don't feel safe to be out at work, what is, how is that affecting their productivity and what is that costing your company? And I don't unfortunately have those totals in front of me, but it is pretty significant in the, you know, multiple 10%. So we're looking at a reduction in like 20, 30, and even sometimes 40% in productivity for employees who don't A, feel valued because of who they are and how they identify but also because they spend so much more of their energy guarding themselves um, and keeping conversations about their private life um, so vague that they're always on edge and always kind of um, tiptoeing around what they can and what they feel comfortable saying. And so they're not able to truly bring themselves to work. And uh, when we were able to present that 
uh, information and that research to our executive team, it really became more important, especially at a corporate level, um, for everyone to feel welcome and uh, have the ability to be who they are and really show who they are. And at least that was what we were told. And so far, I think that's definitely improved. Our chief diversity officer came out swinging and really supporting us. And he said, it's in to be out at work. And so, you know, when we think about being out uh, and trying to uh, change hearts and minds, it is a pretty tall order for anyone to do. It's, it's terrifying to come out, especially if you know that there are folks who don't support you. But um, the fact that you are told that you are welcome to come out and that the company is going to support you definitely alleviates some of those concerns and helps really um, give you an opportunity to, to be the person who you need to be yourself, but also stand as an example for others around you to also feel comfortable to change hearts, change minds and move the company forward. Yeah. Lynn, has there ever been a time where you weren't like valued as an employee? Did you say weren't or weren't? Weren't? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I worked for a very short period of time at a company that was, um, well, I won't mention names, I guess, yeah. but it was a very um, Republican atmosphere, I'll say. Uh, and it was, it was um, not a place that I brought up that I have a girlfriend. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a very different experience than most of my work experiences. Um, I worked at Equitas during the pandemic and um, they are very diverse and always trying to work towards more diversity and inclusion. Um, and I, now I work at the Cincinnati Arts Association and I think arts in general just have more open mind. So um, most of my experiences have been very positive. Uh, I just had that one little stint and it was, it was rough, it was rough. It was a very bad experience <laughs> for me uh, as somebody in the LGBT community and did not feel like I could share anything about my private life with folks so and I feel like that's such a big deal you know you come into work on Monday and you say hey how was your weekend what'd you do this weekend you can't say like it, it for you it didn't, it didn't feel right to say hey I hung out with my girlfriend that, that's huge I mean when I was at Equitas I'd be like yeah I'm doing a drag show this weekend you should come <laughs> see me and people would show up and that was just it was nice it was a much better atmosphere we we talked about this earlier prior to recording and I like the this idea of purchasing power so Michael can you talk about how much purchasing power the LGBTQ plus community has in the tri-state um, sure. I don't know that I can necessarily break it down specifically to the tri-state, but I can tell you broadly so far as a global perspective, but also a national perspective. So if we um, go back, uh, the research that was put together by um, several different private um, consulting firms, including Nielsen, which is also based here in Cincinnati, and then Kantar Consulting uh, also worked uh, with a couple different <clears throat> uh, LGBT organizations to try and uh, flesh out some of this research. And what I found was very, very fascinating. In 2018, the uh, purchasing power uh, of the LGBT community in the United States sat just under a trillion dollars. You know, following their research, they were able to identify in 2018 that the purchasing power of the LGBTQ plus community sat at about 917 billion. And it was expected to increase um, 
in the tens of millions every year. So in 2018, we were at 917 billion. Today, it is estimated to be well over $1 trillion just in the US. Now, if you expand that uh, to a global perspective, it's estimated to be closer to a $2.7 trillion um, purchasing power community. Now, if we look at back and isolate it to strictly the United States, um, you wouldn't as a company, any company, especially large uh, public companies, you wouldn't say, well, we're not going to do anything to attract uh, African-American consumers or Latino consumers because they know that sitting in those populations is more than 1.4 trillion annually spend that they can attract towards their business. Now, because of the LGBTQ community's purchasing power, why on earth would you also look at, you know, that third highest community with their spending power and say, hey, we're not going to do anything to court them as a potential consumer of our products. So I think that it's, it, there's quite the conversation, especially during Pride Month when a lot of folks say, you know, why are these companies, are they trying to pander to us? And to be fair, I don't know if pandering is the word that I would use, but I definitely think it's a way that uh, companies are waking up to the fact that we are a very uh, strong community. We do have a lot more spending power than I think people have ever traditionally given us credit because there are, you know, they're typically dual income households. They may not have uh, children that cause, you know, that require additional costs. So the fact that they're able to more liquid income to spend is really, really um, something that I think is important to those businesses. And my response when people criticize that is as a, you know, young teenage boy walking through any store or down the streets of Salt Lake City growing up, I didn't see anyone support my community, you know, 20 years ago. If I was able to take what I saw this week as I'm visiting my home state and visiting Salt Lake City the week of Pride, to see the rainbows and to see the support from not only large companies, but every, nearly every store downtown, every storefront, big and small, had those flags out, which was something that I never saw. And to be able to see that now really and truly almost made me emotional and brought tears to my eyes just seeing how far we've come. And I would much rather have a company recognize me, even if it is, hey, we want them to come in because we want them to buy our products. The fact that they're willing to do that, where before they wouldn't even want me in my want me in their store, is something that I think should be celebrated. And it's only you know this, you know, first of many steps moving forward to a more inclusive environment for everyone. All right. So who who knows what's next to come? I hope good things. We definitely had some back and forth over the last few years, and I'm hoping that we can continue a forward momentum. And lastly, Ellen and Michael, what is something that you wish listeners knew about Cincinnati's LGBTQ plus community. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share some more stats. I think one of the things that I hope that folks understand not only in Cincinnati and the greater Cincinnati regions. Uh, sorry. One thing that I hope that folks in the greater Cincinnati community understand about the LGBTQ community, as well as um, those across the country, is that our community isn't going away. Uh, in fact, it's growing. And I don't think that there's necessarily more LGBTQ people now than there have been in the past. It's just that there's a greater comfort level because of the acceptance that we've seen that folks are willing to say that they are part of our community and that they're excited to celebrate it rather than hide it away. And in the research that I talked about uh, earlier, I thought that there was some additional information that was very, very um, 
cool and very different for me to see in black and white. And it was that uh, 8% of baby boomers identify as part of the LGBTQ community. And that increases to 13% for Gen Xers, 20% of millennials, and a staggering 31% of centennials. So the Gen Z born after 1997 identify as LGBTQ+. So traditionally, and when I spoke about um, trying to convince my company to make a difference, to make different choices and to really embrace our community and accept, you know, the vast and varied contributions that we could bring to the business. We were basing all of that on an estimated five to 7% of our employee and our customer population. When we see that, you know, those coming after me as a, you know, <laughs> as a relatively young professional being 35 or 36 now, when I look at those coming after me, identifying as nearly one in three as part of our community in one way or another, that's gonna obviously impact the way business operates for decades to come. And I'm excited to see these young folks come out and embrace who they are and celebrate it rather than hide it away because it is something that um, I, our community is so broadly diverse. It is something that I think is exciting and that we should celebrate all of those wonderful people and recognize what they can bring, not only to different businesses from an employee perspective, but also again, as we said before, what they can do as consumers, because it is them that is, you know, they are truly the ones who are helping push, push this moment forward. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Well, fantastic. Ellen and Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Yeah. For Yes. Um, if anybody is interested in joining the chamber or if they would like to volunteer and be a part of our board or uh, as a committee member, we would love to hear from them. Um, June 27th, we'll be down at Washington Park. We would love to talk to them. Fantastic. I'm Sarah Kemmerer with your local Better Business Bureau, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of BBB Presents. Until next time, connect with BBB Cincinnati on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to check out local businesses and do your part by leaving reviews at bbb.org.